Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. And I'm Wajahat Ali. And Waj, uh, it is officially Black History Month, uh, the shortest month of the year. Congratulations. Thank you so much, uh, which means that we get to talk about all of the heinous things and anti-Blackness that lead up to Black History Month, uh, and then we'll continue during the course of that month. And, you know, thankfully, uh, we don't have President DeSantis yet, so it is not outlawed to celebrate or acknowledge Black History Month. But, you know, there's always next year. You know, I, I don't call it Black History Month anymore. I call it Woke CRT Month before spring. So uh, <laughs> I think that's what we're going to refer to it now, you know, in our revised curriculum that we're teaching uh, our youth to compete with the global market. You know, we we have to protect the kids from black books and uh, you know, black stories and black bodies. I, I think this is the, the, the children. Think of the babies and the kids, Danielle. I really, you know, I, I am trying. I, I really am. And, you know, what I find, folks, as as we're recording this, um, it the funeral of Tyree Nichols, the young 29-year-old photographer, uh, musician, dad, uh, who was beaten to death, his funeral uh, mm. has just passed. And, you know, Reverend Al Sharpton gave uh, one of the eulogies uh, for him. Vice President Kamala Harris was in attendance, as were many activists. Um, and I got to tell you, Waj, um, people know I did not watch the video. Yeah. Uh, I told people, gave people permission who were feeling guilty about not feeling like they were aligned with justice if they did not subject themselves to that type of trauma and violence. Um, and recognizing that, you know, you had made the joke, you know, Danielle, last year when we started doing the show together, there was so much anti-blackness that was happened before, you know, the the month of February. And I'm just like, yeah, it's par for the course because there's so much anti-blackness that is happening all the time, but it feels particularly stark, particularly in your face when you have but 28 days to acknowledge the existence and the contributions and the legacy and the innovation and the fire and the brilliance of black people in this country. 
So, you know, I got to tell you that the beginning of this month is, is a family, another black family burying a young person because of police violence on the first day of black history month is beyond heartbreaking. And I'm just, for me, I know as so many people listening, it is exhausting. It's exhausting to muster the hope. It's exhausting to muster the faith. And sometimes you just like really do need to just break down so that you can, you know, deal with the grief that is what it's like to live in America as a black person. And, you know, anti-blackness is as American as apple pie and the KKK. You know, the sad part is, is, you know, I, I mentioned that right before we recorded. I'm like, Danielle, didn't we record last year? It felt so deja vu. Like last February at the beginning of Black History Month, we have to go back and look at the archives. But something just yep. absolutely heinous uh, was happening against black folks. And we're like, what a great way to ring in Black History Month, the shortest month of the year. And, you know, I'm watching, um, there's a really good series on Hulu that just, I think, premiered this week, the 1619 Project. And they, and mm-hmm. they take the 1619 Project and the thesis of the 1619 Project. And Nicole Hannah-Jones has uh, given it a modern update, right? So she goes and interviews people, black folks, historians, white historians, about how this is affecting modern society. And it just, you know, the stuff that you know, but then as you learn more about this thing called history, and you learn more from the people who have lived that history and survived that history, you realize, unfortunately, that this is not an aberration. This is the norm. Like yeah. this is this is not this is not like a, an outlier. This is what happens on a daily basis. And what is it about our country that is perfectly fine killing a 29-year-old father and skateboarder who routine traffic stop? gets out of his car, is surrounded by this team called the Scorpion Squad. I mean, look at the, just, first of all, terrible branding, folks. Uh, You know, he's given multiple contradictory uh, warnings and messages. So for those who are listening, just imagine, I was thinking about this like two days ago, and I did not watch the video either because I I tried to watch it, but I'm like, do I need to see it? I don't need to see it. So I didn't see it. The guy, so, so imagine, cops pull you over, okay? I've been pulled over by cops before. One cop approaches from my side. The other cop, cop approaches from the, the, the passenger side. Okay. When a cop has their hand on their gun for a routine traffic stop that has happened to me, all of a sudden, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm a bit freaked out. So I put my hand on the steering wheel. Now imagine if a group of, say, seven aggressive cops stop you. They tell you to get out of the car. They're yelling at you. They're shouting at you. And according to the New York Times, these cops gave more than 30 contradictory Yep. Uh, uh, commands at the same time. So think about it. Seven armed cops have stopped you, a young black man, and you're a black man, so you know what's up, Give, shouting at you 30 contradictory commands. All right, raise your hand, get down, shut up, don't speak, turn around, get on the floor. And now you're like, holy crap, what's going to happen? And you're like, oh my God, they, they might shoot me. Fight, flight, what do you do? You run. He's unarmed. And what do they do? They catch up to him. And they do what they call a police tax. Uh, 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 the tax, for those folks who don't know, is this kind of code in, in law enforcement that if, if you make cops who apparently should be fit, Daniel, if they were creme de la creme, chase after you, they exact a tax. So they beat you to kind of, this is what you get for making me actually run after you. This is what you get. Mm-hmm. 
and they beat this man to death, Danielle. They beat mm-hmm. this man to death. And to cap it off, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who now controls Kevin McCarthy, who's gunning to be Donald Trump's VP, says openly, she compares this young man, Tyree Nichols, who's 29 years old and was beaten to death by police officers, to Ashley Babbitt, a violent insurrectionist. So even in death, even Mm -hmm. in death, no pity, no victimhood, no mercy, no empathy. I just, you know, this is the reason why I I know that there are some people in our field who every once in a while will watch Fox News because they want to know what the other side is thinking, what the other side is saying. And, you know, and and somebody had sent me like a clip of, of some bullshit on Tucker Carlson's show. And and here's what I will say about Fox News, about these white supremacists. They're fucking white supremacists. I don't like I, I am so tired of trying to like part and parcel out, you know, oh, what did they mean? What was the intent? What was this? What was that? They said what the fuck they said. Right. They don't care about black people. They don't care about black lives. They don't care about black history. They don't care about black art, black contributions. What they care about is black labor. Mm. And then when black labor ceases to. Right. Enrich them and bodies are broken or what have you. They move them to the side and get a new crop. Right. Mm. That you cannot expect for a country that has only ever seen black bodies that are in servitude to whiteness Mm. expect that without any laws, without any uh, regulations, without any responsibility put on the white population for them to all of a sudden want to embody some idea of change, some idea of empathy, some idea of, you know what? I can be a bit discomfort. I can have a bit of discomfort in learning about what my ancestors did and what this country has done in order to become as rich, quote unquote, as it is. Right. But you see, when when I look at a Marjorie Taylor Greene and I see what a Ron DeSantis is doing and I say to people like connect the fucking dots Mm. here. Right. This is all part of the this is the insurrection. When you have Ron DeSantis turning Florida into a fascist state where gay parents, queer people can't exist without fear of being criminalized, where you're talking about throwing librarians in jail or facing uh, state crimes and penalties, when you are removing books, but then you want to pass legislation in order to make it so that every single person in that state who is of quote unquote legal age is able to conceal a weapon and doesn't have to do this pesky thing called training. When all of a sudden you recognize that to them, books and knowledge are more dangerous than a fucking AR-15, you know what it is. So let's stop pretending. Yeah, they should, uh, if they want gun control in Florida, they should put bullets uh, in Toni Morrison books. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> white folks wouldn't come near it. It's, it's all connected. And the sad part is, is I think I did a tweet earlier today where I, I, I said, you know, if I was paid like so many of our colleagues in D.C. and New York to be wrong about everything, I said to be arrogantly and aggressively wrong about everything, right? Uh, the way that we were right and we used the F word, we said fascism. And they said, even last year, 
too extreme, too reactionary, too hysterical. I remember there was a, a, a an editor uh, for an outlet that I write that says, ah, I don't think you can use that F word. It's too much. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is just two years ago. Yeah. And, you know, can't use the word white supremacy, can't use the word racist, have to use economic anxiety. And yet black folks, and I think people of color in particular, are like, yo, this is a reboot. It's the same story. And we are old enough now, Danielle, mm-hmm. that we have survived the first scream starring Drew, Drew Barrymore, <laughs> the second scream reboot 10 mm-hmm. years ago, and now the third reboot. It's like the same story, just new characters, right? It's like, this is... What you know, it's it's Ron DeSantis reviving the lost cause. And the lost cause was a revisionist history that came out in 19th century that said civil war wasn't about slavery, and the white southern plantationers and torturers and rapists and murderers were the actual victims who were just simply trying their best to live out their heritage and cultural values, and they had the Northerners boot on their neck and that perpetual grievance of the Confederate flag to this day. That's why they wave it, right? Uh, The grievance, the lost cause. It wasn't about slavery. No, it was about economics, about states' rights. And, you know, we just have to have independence and freedom. And now you have Ron DeSantis. And on the first day of the shortest month of the year, Black History Month, he makes the decision to go all in. I'm going to punish librarians. I'm going to purge all black books. I'm going to purge books written by black women and queer women and queer men. Um, and I'm also going to, in the, in the, in the you know, footsteps of mass shootings in Florida, not gun control. I, you know, this concealed carry. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Even though Texas law enforcement officials are saying, yo, it's disastrous because it's making us Less safe. These clowns are out there without training, friggin' shooting shit up. And DeSantis is like, you know what? I think more white folks need guns. And it's 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 the reason why it's all connected, Danielle, and the reason why history is so important is it connects the dots, right? Mm -hmm. You know this story. Why do they want guns to stand their ground? Mm -hmm. That's why they love the Kyle Rittenhouse. That's why they love the McCloskeys who took out their guns against the peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters in St. Louis. You better know your place, Darkie. This is my land. And if you go over the bounds, I have the right as a white man to use my weapon and put you in your place, which is underneath the ground. It's all connected. And they never connect the dots. And when we try to connect the dots, we're seen as hysterical, reactionary, divisive, un-American. And we're racists. Apparently, we're racists. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change. 
a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and you know what I want to say too, and, and, and maybe I missed it, Waj, but the question I'll ask you is, what have you heard from the Biden administration about the banning of books and the cowering of, you know, the college board, which has just come out and said, oh, okay, Ron DeSantis, we know you're a white supremacist and a fascist, and we'll remove all of the requirements around the weighty Black history AP course that we were only running a fucking trial of, by the way. It wasn't even Mm. being instituted. It was a trial run to see if there was actual interest in the in the class. Right. So we'll cower to this white supremacist fascist. And I want to ask you, what have we heard from the Biden administration with regard to this? Because, again, I say to people. Florida and Texas are the petri dishes of the yeah. Republican Party. Yeah. They test out. It is the test lab. That's they right. see how far they can go, how much they can turn the state into a fascist regime state where everyone is scared, where, by the way, not to mention all the other scandals that are happening in Florida with fraudulent nurses that yeah. have yeah. been paying for their degrees, not to mention the fact that there are, I think, 5,000 schools in the state or something to that extent that don't have certified teachers like or COVID that are, deaths, that are, COVID right? deaths. Or, or let's not even talk about because Ron DeSantis runs Florida in the way uh, that China is run where he doesn't release the public health information so that you actually know how many Floridians have died of COVID-19. So you say I say all of this. What have we heard from the Biden administration? Uh, nothing. And the okay. reason why we won't hear anything is because Democrats are, again, terrified of wading into the culture war. And I wrote a piece in the summer, and we've talked about it on this podcast, that they need to lead in the culture war. They need to throw down brass knuckles, spears, right? Because in the culture war, you are defending the rest of us. And specifically, you are defending and fighting for your base. Because on a national level, you will not win without black voters. But they're so terrified, Daniel, that the culture war is going to make them lose that instead of like literally like throwing down and saying enough is enough, where I think, look, if you look at the polls, and this is where we give unsolicited advice that is actually good and actually bears fruit. And then six months later, once they finally do it, we don't get any credit. But even though we're the ones who literally (laughs) told them six months. Remember, Remember when we said in the summer, hey, uh, maybe you want to tell people that they're going to cut Social Security and Medicare. Hey, maybe you want to fight for women's rights. I guarantee you it will be a, a major issue. Hey, remember when we said on this podcast, democracy will be a major talking point and a kitchen table issue. And they're and like, they they're crazy. That no so, one cares about democracy. No, they no care about cares. gas. Wash. Yes. What are you talking gas about? Prices. Uh, and lo and behold, folks, uh, in the 2022 midterms, top five issue was women's rights, abortion, mm-hmm. 
and, and uh, democracy. So specifically, yeah, if you look at the yeah. polls with books, believe it or not, folks, in the United States of America, democracy, folks do not like book bans. In fact, the polls show that anywhere from 70 to high 80% of Americans say, we don't like this. Doesn't matter if they're independent, doesn't matter if they're conservative. Like, this reminds us of Stalin and Nazi Germany. So what are they doing in Florida? On the first day of the shortest month of the year, Black History Month, they are literally banning and purging books. They are punishing librarians, educators, and now openly, they have threatened and intimidated the College Board to rescind AP African American Studies. I would think, Daniel, and who am I mm-hmm. but an unfrozen caveman lawyer, that mm. this is a layup. You would come out and say, Democrats, we're for books. We're for the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that you should cancel books. We're against racism, like Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, even last thing I'll say is, he still might be the presidential candidate if Trump dies, right? Like, he's, he's, he's going to be Biden's opponent. It's an easy way to take out his legs because what I've said is this dude is a wet noodle on a national stage. He doesn't have it. But he's willing to be Immortan Joe from Mad Max. He's willing to be the warlord of, like you and I have yep. said, this Petri dish, yep. the laboratory of Florida, because he's like, all right, even if I'm not president, I will be the king of MAGA, and that's fine. Easy hits, and I just don't see the fire. I don't see the fight. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, if the Democrats aren't going to fight for us, who will? And the answer is the rest of us. It's going to be <laughs> grassroots, man. You know, it's just like when I see, you know, when I see the fact that we have a black woman as a vice president of the United States, right? We 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 continue to hear that we have the most diverse and progressive, you know, people inside of the White House. And you can't do something so easy, like you're saying, a fucking layup to say, you know what freedom looks like? Not banning books. Do you know what liberty in America looks like for those of you that love to wrap yourself in the flag but don't know anything about it? Not banning books. Do you know what is more dangerous than the literature of a Nobel uh, of a of a Nobel laureate? Oh, maybe. Oh, what what is that thing called? That that oh, an AR fifteen. <laughs> oh, not having not having any gun reform. When you are living in a country that half of the political party, half of the political engine Mm. believes that books are more dangerous than bullets, Mm. you know where the fuck this is headed. Mm. And so for the Biden administration to sit by and to not use this as an opportunity to remind people exactly what justice and liberty looks like, it looks like the freedom to read The freedom to have information. Why is it that the Second Amendment outweighs my ability to go to the fucking library and check out whatever goddamn book I want? Well, because uh, you got to stand your ground with an AR-15. You can't stand your ground with a book. And ironically, the rest of us, the way we have stood our ground, the way we have fought back, the way we have forced ourselves to be co-protagonists of the American narrative is through books. It's through stories. It's through art. It's through culture. You know, my professor in uh, college, Ishmael Reed, MacArthur Genius winner, Pulitzer Prize nominated African-American writer. You know, he was my short story writer. And 9-11 had just happened. I was about to turn 21. I was in a short story writing class. And he he takes me outside of the class. And he says, listen, as a black man, 
uh, we've been through it for 400 years. I'm looking at the news right now, and your people, they're going to get hazed for a while. We've been through this. This is our history in America. The way we fought back has always been through art, writing, and culture, and storytelling. That's the one thing they've tried their best to take away from us, but they can't. So he said, I know what your people are going to go through, this hazing for the next 10, 20 years. You should write your story, the American story, but with people who look like you as the lead, you know, to, to fill in the gaps, right? Because right now there's Osama and Saddam, and that's what they use, that single story to flatten 1.7 billion people, right? But Amazing. storytelling, that's where it's at. There is a reason why they didn't teach the slaves how to read and write. Yes. There is a reason why a slave reading a book could get him killed. A book is more powerful and dangerous than a bullet, right? And it's the books and the learning and the education is how the rest of us have transformed American culture, right? Stories transcend time. They transcend decades. They, they fertilize in a person's mind. They give you an avenue and an opening, an insight to discovery to how people can be, how people were. So if you can't uh, fight back with the majority, if you can't fight back toe-to-toe in the, free, in the free market, if you can't debate it, right, what do you do? Ban it. Ban it. And then enforce that ban with a gun. And so all, I mean, for you and me, I think it's so clear, going back to a point that you made, how this is so tied to white supremacy. It's same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. The hoods are off. And now they have suits and ties and gaudy white boots. And it's so blatant, Daniel. I mean, this is where I feel like, I think white democracy-ish. And talking to you is it's therapeutic. Is is you feel like you're not being gaslit because I'm like Tucker Carlson is literally repeating the talking points of white nationalists, and the white nationalists themselves are saying this guy is our spokesman. We don't need a TV show. He's saying our literally Nick Fuentes is having dinner with Donald Trump, who is still the presentative 2024 presidential nominee, and he's a racist and white nationalist. Why is anyone surprised, Danielle, that this is happening on the first day of Black History Month? I mean, it's just, you know, like you're saying, the hoods are off, the suits are on, but let me tell you something. These people have always infiltrated government, industries. That's why it's called systemic racism, Mm. right? 
because it is a pervasive train of thought that you need to suppress and oppress a group of people because your fear, right? Because your ultimate fear is that if they were to have knowledge and power, that then they would do to you what you have done to them. That's the ultimate fear here, right? And so in order to ensure that that never happens, you have to cut people off at the knees. And so what I say to people is that you need to recognize how threatening your education is, how threatening your consciousness is. There is a war on wokeness because what this requires, right? What white supremacy requires other than oxygen to survive, what their oxygen is, is ignorance and slumber. That's what it takes in order to feed white supremacy, because the more conscious you become, the more educated you become, the more questions that you ask. Unconscious people don't ask questions. They are sheep and they just go along with the fucking herd. Well, exhausted sheep. That's the thing. Ignorant, afraid, exhausted, working backwards and sick, because let's make sure let's also connect the dots to public health. And why you don't want to get why do you didn't want to give people Obamacare? Why you want to make sure that people remain under undereducated, sick, desperate, right? And set because you're easier to control. Yeah, you're 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 exhausted. You work them to death. You yep. take out the slaves at 4 a.m. Work pregnant women. Doesn't matter if they have miscarriages. The babies, by the way, chattel slavery. There's just going to be new labor in the workforce, even though they have white fathers. That white blood doesn't make them white. That makes them black, right? Work them to death. Keep them dumb. Keep them ignorant and have the whip or the gun right there at the holster to keep them terrified. Keep people in line. Keep people in check. Make sure that they don't know anything, right? And that's why, like you said, it's a wokeness is so terrifying because if more people, especially white people, are aware of the systemic enduring, and that's the key thing, the enduring legacy of racism, right? That's why I think what terrifies them is two things. Number one, uh, racism kind of existed, but now it's gone. But this country is exceptional. And what Nicole Hannah-Jones and others did, like, actually, no, this is like part and parcel of the American narrative and the experiment. It goes back to 1619. And by the way, it infects healthcare, education, law enforcement, the prison industrial complex. It infects everything. So if you want this country to be great again, you have to dismantle. Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge white supremacy, understand it, then dismantle it. And then for those who are in power, and like you said, it, it goes back to all colonizers, right? It goes back to even India. The British colonizers openly said, these Indian beasts are savages. Mm. We have to see, they have to prove to us that they are civilized. Once they prove to us that they are civilized and passive and moderate, then we will consider giving them mm-hmm. their freedom. And the underlying, and I went to Israel, I talked to settlers, Israeli settlers said the same thing about Palestinians, right? Yep. If we give them freedom, they're going to revisit violence upon us that we visited upon them. And what I have seen going there, talking to folks, seeing even black history is most people are like, we just want to breathe. We just want to be normal. Like, we just want to live our lives. Uh, just don't bother us. Let us have our barbecue. 
Let my kid sell his like lemonade, you know, at the lemonade stand. You don't have to invite me to your party. Just don't choke me to death. Just don't kill me. Can you please take your boot off my neck? The, the, my request is very small. The bar is very low. Uh, but keep them dumb, keep them ignorant. And I feel like Ron DeSantis right now is trying to revive the lost cause. And Donald Trump, I got to mention this, he's running his campaign, Danielle. And what is he focusing on? Wokeness. He's taking a cue from DeSantis. And, you know, to all of the things that you just said, I, I, I want to say a couple of things that really stuck out to me, right? You talk about the, um, the, 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 the slave master is working uh, people to death, right? Uh, working pregnant women to death. Doesn't matter if you fall over, just get a new crop, right? I want white people to understand, particularly white women, how this is connected to your bodily autonomy. Mm. How the desire not only to keep you undereducated, sick, right? Um, and disconnected and distracted, that also keeping you pregnant, right? Keeping you um, dependent if you are straight on your husband, on your boyfriend, on your male counterpart, because they've never given you equal pay. Mm. Right. They've never they didn't even they gave they gave the enslaved black, the former enslaved black man voting rights before they gave their mothers and their sisters and their daughters voting rights. Right. Understand that you are a subject to mm. you are not a citizen. You are a subject to white supremacy and patriarchy. And so when people see these attacks that are happening, like the rollback of Roe v. Wade, like the banning of books, like voter suppression and all, this is all. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. But if I can distract you by being in fear of your neighbor down the street, if I can distract you with the undocumented people coming over the border rather than the politician who is making sure that your child may not come home from school that day mm. because of a mass shooting, if I can keep you distracted with that, then I can continue to run roughshod over the entire country. Right? And so consciousness folks, education is the key here. Yep. Because once you become educated, then you realize that the enemy that they try to create for you, the fear that they try to create for you is nothing other than projection. Right? Because if we actually understand what is and who is at play, then we can connect with one another. We can recognize the in integrated struggle that we all have, which is about getting free. And we all have different levels of where we need to get free. Black people being that if we are all invested in black liberation, then we are all free. Right. Because we're the only people in this entire country whose, whose presence began in chains. Everyone else came over on a ship of their fucking choosing. Right. So it's, it's like, if that is the fear here. And when you have people that are more afraid of the knowing than they are of an AR-15 and high capacity magazines and no regulation and everybody having a gun in their purse, in their car, in their this and their that, that tells you everything that you need to know. You don't need to read between the lines. They're shouting it from the rooftops. And, you know, final thing I'll say uh, as we close this is that's why it's so imperative 
to always fight back. And mm -hmm. even though in hopeless times, it's important to have hope, because if you look at the history of this country, the fact that me as a son of Pakistani Muslim immigrants can be sitting here and Danielle, a black queer woman, can be sitting here hosting a podcast, uh, something that we take for granted, but we sh should never take for granted. I never do. Uh, I'm only here because of the 1965 Immigration, immigration Nationality Act that finally removed the restrict restrictive immigration quotas that were put in place in the 1920s to keep the original invaders out. And the reason why the Immigration Nationality Act passed was on the heels of the Civil Rights Act, because while black folks were on the streets marching, people were like, hmm, it's kind of hypocritical for us to also have these bans from literally every single person from Asia. So my father and his generation were able to come here because of the Immigration Nationality Act, because of the Civil Rights Act, because of the leadership and the grassroots activism, and men and women died for it. They bled for it. And the way we have always fought back is through sharing and telling our story. And our stories are so threatening that they're literally banning our books. Come and on. what I always want to tell people is we have the numbers. We have the numbers. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We've been trying to say this and warn folks on this show, this podcast for the past year, that they're coming after our schools. We said it since mm -hmm. last year. Yep. They're coming after our school boards. So people always say, what can I do, Waj? What can I do, Danielle? Run for your school board. Yes. Realize what's happening in your school. They have spent millions of dollars to unleash activists to take over school board by school board by school board. But every single time we've shown up with the numbers, we stop them. You have to resist at every level, at the workplace, on social media. There's a reason why Elon Musk took over, took over Twitter, because we finally had a voice. There is a reason why trying to shut us down on Facebook and Instagram. Be louder, uh, use your platform, create new platforms, be engaged in your local community, in your local schools, because they will keep trying, folks, but we have the numbers. And this is a long game, and it's taken years and years and years of men and women dying and bleeding and sacrificing for us to have the opportunity to come to this moment where we, inshallah, can fight back. And when you want to give up hope and when you feel hopeless, imagine our ancestors and what they went through, right? They mm -hmm. didn't go through all that just so we tap out and be cynical. Uh, use that, marshal that energy to fight. Uh, because look, this is what we saw, and the last thing I'll say, with uh, like Danielle was saying, with the college board caving to DeSantis, that's how fascism wins. When you roll mm -hmm. over and let them steamroll you over and you think, oh, they'll stop. They never stop. They come after the rest of us. So fight back and resist. And that's my message on this first day of the shortest month of the year, CRT Wokeness Month before spring. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm Ajahat Ali. And we will be back next week if, in fact, we have a country left. Inshallah. Inshallah.